0: What we do here is go back, 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 back. And welcome back in to episode dose. Of Get our a new
1: gimmick, boom!
0: Our new, our new gimmick, our new fucking shit that we're doing. Two and a half marks. Mark it down. The second one. Episode two. Uh, Last time out, we were just watching random fucking matches, Uh, we watched Kenta Kobashi and Kensuke Sasaki for for Wrestling NOAH 2s in my estimation, the greatest match that has ever occurred in the history of wrestling. And for this week, I wanted to watch something completely different. I wanted to get as far away from that as I possibly could, because... Her wrestling is a is a is a is a smorgasbord. It's this great panoply of all sorts of things, both good and bad. And you can't have the good. The good wouldn't be as good without the bad. The shit that is just like one of the reasons why Kensuke Kobashi and Kensuke Sasaki is so great is because it's so it's it's very simple. It's pure. What I mean. It's very pure and easy to understand. Just this battle of wills that's going. I want to have something that's completely fucking incomprehensible, and I have no (laughs) idea what's going on at any moment. So that is why I chose for our second match that I made Angelo watch the TNA Reverse Battle Royal for Bound for Glory 2007, one of the most convoluted match types ever fucking shit out of Dixie Carter's ass. It is amazing. Uh, There's actually some wrestling in it in, like, little spurts. That's not bad, but... Just the the concept of this match is so ridiculous that it is like like the legacy of this match has lived on for almost fifteen years afterwards. So really been looking forward to talking about this one. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean,
1: again, market down, new new format, and it's not a permanent format. But like, I get, I like the fact that we can like, we're not beholden to the randomizer. It's a single match. And we can get really nitty gritty into this stuff and talk about, like, spend extra time talking about all these things. Because there's a lot that goes on with these wrestling matches, especially Battle Royals. And it's cool to kind of just compare different matches in itself. Like, we did uh, Kobashi Sasaki. That's just pure, true, honest to goodness pro wrestling at its finest. And this is some of the crazy shit that pro wrestling is. Like, I truly believe that. Everyone can watch pro wrestling. There's going to be something for everybody in in any content. Like the, the, if you like goofy shit, there's goofy shit. If you if you want really bad reality TV, there's really bad reality TV. If you want that sport and title stuff, that's got that too. And and then you get like when you get these characters kind of going, it can kind of feel a little bit like you have a fight movie or yeah. There's just a lot with pro wrestling. Pro wrestling isn't really limited by anything. It's just there's so much that goes into it. And this reverse battle royal, it, 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 it's something that could be like you explain to somebody like why again, why the hell would you want to watch this? Like, well, this is that sounds patently ridiculous. That sounds stu- so stupid. They start the match not even in the ring. Why on earth would you do that? But then you watch it, and it does make sense. And like, even if it's not something that can be taken seriously, even though that this is like this match is for a number one contender spot. You appreciate the fact they had, they created something like this. There's so, there's a lot of creativity with this idea because like this is something so far out there that shouldn't have any right to be, make, make sense. And then you kind of like, when you start putting it together, you're like, Oh, okay. This isn't bad. It's like, it's like, it's like you order something randomly off a menu. You can't read. You get it. It looks awful, but then you taste it and you're like, Oh, this is,
0: this is pretty good. That is the most positive anyone has ever been about this match, like ever in the history of the discourse regarding the reverse battle royal. Yeah, I agree that it took a lot of creativity to to think up this match. You know, but I mean, it is one. It was incredibly fucking stupid. Do not cut that out of the fucking camera. It is getting censored, buddy. No, it is not. Shut the fuck up. Um. <laughs> Like, it is just one of the most purely nonsensical match types in history. And, but, you know, like like what you said, it is an illustration that, yes, pro wrestling is many things. Pro wrestling can be all sorts of things. And one of the things it can be is absolutely incomprehensible and just, you know, almost infuriating to watch because the concept is so stupid. But, Yeah. Reverse Battle Royal. This actually is the second one of these that they did. I, I wasn't able to find very easily available video of the one in two thousand six, but we got one of the two that they did. They actually uh, revived the concept at Slamversary a few months ago. You know, it, it was a twentieth anniversary, so they brought back a lot of the wacky shit from TNA. It's kind of a celebration of all the all the good and bad of TNA over the last twenty years, which and they did do a Reverse Battle Royal. Uh, which I enjoyed a lot. But, yeah, one of only three of these matches that ever happened. So, uh, sounds like you're ready to remember some guys, Angela.
1: Let's remember the guys, David, and there are some absolute guys.
0: A lot of guys. There are going to be some guys, uh, at least a couple, I think, making their debuts on this podcast. We haven't done a lot of TNA stuff. Let alone 2007 TNA. This isn't really an era we've touched on a whole lot. We did do lockdown like 2009 or something or 2010 maybe.
1: Yeah, in that yeah. ballpark. Um, but, but some yeah. of these guys, some of these guys, a lot of these guys were like WWE guys. So yes,
0: many of these guys ended up in WWE or were in WWE at one point. Uh, but yeah, we will go through it. It is October 14, 2007. We are at the arena at Gwinnett Center. In Duluth, Georgia for TNA's like premier events of every year. Bound for Glory, two thousand seven. We have a tight crowd of four thousand people who have packed in to see one a hell of a dream match main event tonight. NWA World Heavyweight Championship on the line, or maybe it was the TNA World Championship. I think I can't remember exactly when the NWA to TNA like belt transition happened. Uh, but it's Sting versus Kurt Angle in the main event. That's one hell of a fucking match. Um, and we have 16 wrestlers entering into a contest try and determine the number one contender for the TNA World Championship. And we have this match called a Reverse Battle Royal. What the fuck is a Reverse Battle Royal? We all know what a Battle Royal is. Everyone gets in the ring and they throw each other out and last man standing wins. What the fuck is a reverse battle? royal? You have to, what, you start on the outside and have to get into the ring? That doesn't sound... That sounds
1: nonsensical.
0: That is what... That is is what is happening here, but it's only parts of what this match is. So this was a match that has three phases, which is two match phases too many for me, (laughs) honestly. So... 16 wrestlers start on the floor. They have to fight to get into the ring over the top rope, right? Just like a reverse battle royal, right? You have to get thrown out over the top rope. You have to get in over the top rope for it to count. The first eight men to get into the ring move on to phase two, which is a regular battle royal. So you're getting into the ring over the top rope just to get thrown out over the top rope, right? And then, so you have a, a battle royal. These eight men are going to fight in a battle royal. And then, once we get down to two people, we have just a regular one on one singles match. We'll actually get a referee into the ring and you win by pinfall or submission. So, I don't even, so they, they really highlight the name, Reverse Battle Royal. It's catchy. Of it is catchy, or it draws the attention. You're like, what the fuck is a reverse battle royal? Right? It draws the attention, but the reverse battle royal is only a small part of the magic that is going to happen here tonight in Duluth. So, 16 people uh, list them off the tag team of the rock and rave infection, Jimmy Rave, rest in peace to Jimmy Ray, and Lance Hoyt. Uh, tramp Stamp Lance Hoyt Best known now in uh, AEW In New Japan for Wrestling Is Lance Archer um, Somebody named Havoc I have no idea who the fuck that is <laughs> One of my favorite TNA gimmicks of all time Shark Boy He's a guy who's also a shark <laughs> and he also did a really good Stone Cold Steve Austin impression I might add It actually became his gimmick later on Was He was a man who was a shark Who was Stone Cold Steve Austin
1: i thought okay. that was just impossible's yeah. gimmick what i thought that was just impossible's gimmick as who the discount,
0: who was Justin? oh Possible. just
1: incredible shoot
0: are you fucking kidding me you dumb Come on, <laughs> we have to put man of War, Aldo montoya is here. <laughs> um yeah but no shark months shark boy yes he was a man who was a shark uh we had the canadian destroyer himself pd williams we have Kaz, a.k.a. Frankie Kazarian of uh, AEW, Ring of Honor, and also WWE fame. Uh, yeah, Frankie Kazarian, he was cool, so he was just going by Kaz. Uh, one of the great tag teams of the last 20 years, the Motor City Machine Guns are in this match. Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. Don't have anything jokey to say about them because they're fucking great. Uh, we have Sanjay Dutz in this match. He's doing some weird gimmick where he's throwing rose petals into the crowd as he comes down to the ring. We have the team of America's Most Wanted. They have actually broken up. So we have Cowboy James Storm and Wildcat Chris Harris separate. They don't enter together, and they do kind of get into it a little bit during that. They're not really friends anymore. We have another former tag team here, uh, Showtime, Eric Young and Robert Rude former tag partners in Team Canada, and the last guy entering, uh, getting the biggest pop, Junior Fatou, better known, of course, as Rikishi, better known at, at also a billion other gimmicks when he was in WWF, wearing trunks that say across the front in 358-point font, Bootylicious. <laughs> no one can deny that Rikishi was not the most bootylicious man in wrestling.
1: It is hysterical to me that Rikishi is just so fucking massive that, like, the Usos barely resemble him other than their asses. Because, like, every time, like, they do that, uh, like, because they do the, uh, like, right into the corner ass attack. Yes. And, And it's just like, other than that, you could not tell me the Usos were Rikishi's kids.
0: You know, you look at him in the face and you're like, ah, I don't know, maybe. There's like but two, then when, two, when I take a look at Jay Uso's ass, <laughs> that's what I know. That's his, He's got his daddy's ass. <laughs> not, his
1: daddy's. not to be confused. Oh,
0: I, also forgot, I also forgot two people. Speaking of daddy ass.
1: <laughs> going to say I that, damn it. You people. took my segue.
0: <laughs> the Voodoo Kid Mafia are here. Better known, of course, as the New Age Outlaws, uh, the Road Dog, and uh, Billy Gunn. Uh totally about them. Scissor me, Daddy ass. They were doing this absolute dog shit gimmick in TNA at the time. That was like super meta. They were do like they were basically like trying to do like a really shitty rip-off of like old DX like it like old DX like Monday Night Wars hijinks And they took the name Voodoo Kin Mafia, the initials VKM, Kennedy McMahon. And they had a whole thing where they were calling out Vince and uh triple h and sean and it's just really fucking dumb bullshit i remember watching tna when i was like 12 13 when this was going on and like when you're 12 13 years old you think everything's fucking good i remember even even i at this point was like this is just dog shit
1: (laughs) if you can't get over with like a 12 year old reevaluate
0: yeah but yes we have two daddy asses here we have rikishi and we have uh, badass Billy Gunn, Mr. Ass. Um, no scissoring, though, involved in this match, uh, unfortunately. So, this is the big problem with this match. Why? So they all have to. They all start in the rim, uh, They all start on the outside, and they have to get into the ring, right? It's so inversion of the regular. Like, like in a regular battle royal, you're trying to stay where you are. And other people are trying to throw you out, right? But here, you're not. You don't. You you start at a place where you don't want to be. You want to be in the ring. So, why then does everyone start immediately fighting each other instead of just trying to get into the ring as fast as possible?
1: Yeah, that, that that's the that's the for honestly for me that was the only part that like I could not justify, is that. There were a lot of moments where people had the opportunity to just make a break for the ring, and they just didn't.
0: Yes, I'm going to talk a lot about what Lance Hoyt was doing in this match, like multiple different spots. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It, it,
1: it's the it's the one flaw to this match, the only flaw.
0: Sure, the only flaw <laughs> of the reverse battle royal was the entire concept of the match and the execution. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Like I just – I was like thinking this. It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me because um, it's like take like a 100 yard like the 100-meter dash at the Olympics. Yeah. You're not starting where you want to finish. You're finishing over there. I am here and I need to get there faster than everybody else to win this thing I'm competing in. When they blow the starting gun at the Olympics – Usain Bolt doesn't start fucking drop-kicking everybody else <laughs> in the fucking starting box. And then, like, once he knocks everyone out, then he starts running. No, you just start fucking running. Well, it would be it, way cooler if he did that, but that's not how it works.
1: <clears throat> it's the same concept, though, as, like, a ladder match, though. Because, like, again, the whole thing is you need to get to the top of the ladder to grab whatever prize you were trying to get. The difference is the ladder requires setup. Like, you can't just, oh, the match starts, I can instantly get the briefcase. That's not how it works, because you have to climb... The ladder itself, you have to set up the ladder, you have to climb the ladder, and then you have to hope the ladder doesn't fall. The ring yeah. isn't going anywhere. The ropes yeah, exactly. aren't going anywhere.
0: There there is nothing stopping you from just like getting in. And I don't know why other people are like working so hard to stop people from getting in. Cause it's like, oh, like, I'm I'm Lance Hoyt. I'm standing next to Frankie Kazarian. He's trying to get in the ring. Okay, well, we can both get in the ring, so why am I being an asshole? You know what I mean, Heals, like, man. Heals. We can both just focus on getting in the ring, and then just get in the ring, and then I can kick his ass afterwards. Like you just kind of look fucking stupid.
1: But it doesn't flow well with that.
0: Anyway, yeah, we we need to get in the ring. Why are people fighting? Why don't just get in the fucking ring? I don't know. We end up with a small, sloppy brawl. Everyone looks stu- like by my by these metrics, everyone looks fucking stupid to me, except for Rikishi. Who is the only motherfucker smart enough to just get in the fucking ring and, hit it. and then he just stands there, just chilling on one of the turnbuckles, like for the next five minutes, watching everybody fight. Um, Lance Hoyt, especially, and much again, much respect to Lance Archer, who is I, I think has been a much must-watch must watch guy in AEW and New Japan over the last few years. He's he's great, but he is just literally strolling around ringside, just fucking hanging out. Like, there are multiple spots where they show him, and it's not like he's even beating someone up. He's just kind of standing there with Jimmy Ray chilling. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you could just get in the ring.
1: Nah. Heal you know, stuff.
0: Idle like shot or not, Lance Hoyt, fucking go there. It's right there.
1: It's like, the spo- a- like SpongeBob, nah, I don't feel like it.
0: Frankie Kazarian does hit a cool Spanish fly off the top rope into the ring on Bobby Roode, which looks really nice, but again, it means nothing because... Well, they just both got in the ring. It's like, well, yeah, you probably hurt Bobby Roode a little bit, but you also helped him achieve his goal of getting in the ring. So what does that really mean? I don't, I don't know. Uh, both of Motor City Machine Guns, um, also, you know, I, 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 I will always pay a lot of credit to Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley. They were two of the smarter guys in this one as well. They both got in the first opportunity they got pretty much. It looked like they just kind of hopped in and were like, hey, we're here. Um We have a spot where uh, Lance Hoyt tries to throw uh, Eric Young off the apron, but Eric Young is able to rake his eyes and fall into the ring. And then eventually, after 10 years of standing around like a fucking moron, he finally gets in, so Lance Hoyt makes it. And then uh, another Work Smarter, Not Harder award goes to Cowboy James Storm, who this whole first period of the match... When everyone's fighting, he is literally sitting on a chair next to the announce table, drinking a beer, watching everyone. <laughs> and then, when there's seven people in the ring, there's only one spot left. His partner, his former tag partner, Wildcat Chris Harris, is about to get in. He fucking bolts up. He has he has an opening. He bolts up, springs in there, jumps over the top rope, gets in there, and uh, steals Chris Harris's spot without really expending much effort. Wildcats pissed. We can't do anything about it. So we have our eight guys in the ring: Rikishi, Motor City Machine Guns, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, Frankie Kazarian, Lance Hoyt, and Cowboy James Storm. Cowboy James Storm. The instant after he jumps into the ring in the Battle Royal part, this is
1: hysterical.
0: Eric Young tosses him right the fuck back out. <laughs> so
1: steals James Storm's
0: beer. That son of a bitch. <laughs>
1: It was so funny like there's just something very poetic about this moment like again this gimmick is stupid but they made a lot of fun spots and this is probably the funnest one is because storm thinks he's this genius sitting on the outside picking his moment to sneak into the ring and then ultimately just gets duped by eric young within five yeah. seconds It is tremendous content
0: gets duped by eric young who like his gimmick was that he literally was mentally challenged at, like, one point. Um, Which is, like, crazy because, like, now I feel like people, like, who watched wrestling in recent years, they identify Eric Young with the, like, Sanity character. He's, like, this fucking raider from Fallout. But, like, he was a comedy guy for years in TNA, and part of that gimmick was, like, he literally there was a time where he was mentally challenged. Um, And now he's, like, this fucking, like, badass killer guy. It's funny. Funny how, res- how, like, characters change over time like that, but... Um, so, yeah, EY takes the beer. He, like, tries to... tries to become... Tries to use it to befriend Rikishi. Rikishi is very reticent to accept the gift of this beer from Eric Young. Um, EY actually uh, does a little... Does a little friendly cheek clapping. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not those cheeks. And then Rikishi's like, How dare you clap my cheeks? And... <laughs> <laughs> he fucking he does he does the whole ass gimmick. He does a double uh, stink face to uh, Lance Hoyt and EY. Uh, Lance Hoyt gets the worst of it. His nose ends up in Rikishi's rectum. Um, eventually, like all six guys left in the ring, they team up. They toss Rikishi. He's out. uh yeah, we do get a cool couple. There there are some really fucking good workers in this last last six. I mean, fucking City machine guns are awesome. Kazarian. You know, everyone knows how good he is. Eric Young, great worker. Robert Roode, really good worker. Lance Hoyt, great big man worker. You get some cool spots this little stretch. Lance Hoyt hits one of the highest fucking choke slams I have ever seen. Oh,
1: my God, the that height.
0: Motherfucker. he got Frankie Kazarian 10 feet up in the fucking air and dumped him like a fucking basketball. Um, Motor City Machine Guns, love watching them. They do a bunch of cool double-team shit on Hoyt's. Chris Sabin does a uh, big diving leg drop onto uh, Eric Young and Robert and Robert Roode. Uh, Kazarian ends up big booting Chris Sabin out of the ring and eliminates him. Then Kazarian comes in, uh, hits a cool slingshot DDT, the 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 Johnny Gargano one final beat DDT on uh, Alex Shelley. Uh, Kazarian then gets eliminated by Robert Roode, who hits him with an urinagi off the apron, tosses him. Um, Lance Hoyt, who pound for pound looked like the dumbest guy in this whole match, again looks like an idiot because he goes up for a moonsault and then Robert Rue just pushes him off and he lands on the floor and he gets eliminated, which like, you see people do top rope moves in um, Battle Royale sometimes, and it's like not advisable, but at least if you're facing the ring, like if I'm gonna go do a cross body or something, at least I can see what is coming. Like, the fucking, like, dumbest move you can possibly do i feel like in a battle royal is a moonsault because a you're basically doing half the work for everyone else to get like eliminated and you also are putting yourself in a position where you can't see where anyone is fucking coming at you um just just some absolute hubris i mean it's just really like it's not even like it's i I wouldn't even i would say it's low risk or it's like high risk low reward (laughs) but it's like even lower reward than that because there is no reward because you can't fucking pin anyone with a fucking moonsault because it's a battle royal it's high risk no reward so eat shit it's
1: like penny stocks
0: sorry sorry Lance you're the you're the dingus of the day again <laughs> big, big respect to Lance Archer again I I, I don't want to like shit talk him because he is great uh but he just came off looking like a dingus we're down to the final three. It is Eric Young and Robert Roode. Uh, two-on-one against Alex Shelley. And they do some two-on-ones. That Shelley tries to fight one-on-two, but then Roode basically uses EY as like a projectile. Like throws <laughs> him out of it and ends up... And the ends up,
1: fastball special.
0: Yeah, he ends up actually eliminating, with, uh, eliminating, eliminating him. So now it's down to one-on-one between the former Team Canada guys, EY and Robert Roode. We get a referee he comes into the ring because now it's a singles match. Referee wearing shorts? Question mark? See that? That was weird.
1: I love wearing shorts to work. It's one of my favorite things about working from home.
0: Yeah. Um, and then we get this, This. This. like the singles match takes like a minute. Um, EY gets a near fall. He reverses the back suplex into a pin. Um, goes for a moonsault. Misses. Things not looking good for old EY. But then Robert Root goes for a suplex and gets reversed into a small package, and he gets the pin, and Eric Young wins the Reverse Battle Royal in 11 minutes and 51 seconds. Again, it's very dumb.
1: It is very dumb gimmick. But, like, at the very least, despite how dumb it is, they structure it in a way where, like, you get a lot of cool moments from it. I think that's kind of, like, what saves this match from being infamous it's still infamous in a way but like it it could have been so much dumber right like they have a lot of small things like i think having eric young win this match becoming a number one seed it's a match that has stakes and it matters regardless of how ridiculous it is eric young has now won something whether it's a title what there is a win there it's not just It's not just like a regular season game where it doesn't really matter until the end. He won something. He got something for winning this match. Um, They also did something subtly where they set up the Motor City Machine Guns to face in the first round. Very nice little nod there. Um yeah, the mercy machine as well. i'm on the topic by the way just they, they just steal the whole dang show just like that three minute yeah. rally they have in the middle of the match everything looks so smooth that submission the the team submission that they put uh those two guys in just looks incredible and they set it up very efficiently like that's the thing that's most impressive because it's a very complex looking maneuver but they have it set up very efficiently again hoyt Yeah, he's kind of an idiot, but I think that was – I like the way that his role was because there's something about him, both from a look and a mannerism standpoint, that felt slimy. And like he just was like the perfect guy to hate on throughout this match, and I thought he did his role great. Uh, The moonsault thing, yeah, he looks like an idiot, but that's kind of the point. He's in heel. He's he's being the heel version of a dumb babyface. Uh Using six guys to eliminate Rikishi because Rikishi he's is kind of like the
0: heel version of a dumb baby. So he's being a dumb heel. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, the using six guys to eliminate Rikishi very again. Rikishi is probably the main attraction here. Obviously, he's the first guy that gets in. So you want him to still look strong. Having six guys eliminate him that, that does that. I mean, the guy is a mammoth of a human being and he's just a lot of fun, has a lot of character. Um and he still moved pretty well in this match. I also think that, like, was probably most surprising is that Rikishi, I mean, this is well past his prime. He's a little bit bigger. But, like, he still moved pretty darn well for a guy his size. Uh, and I, would,
0: I, I would agree. I mean, you know, he obviously had put on some weight from his prime. But, like, I wasn't watching and saying, like, oh, he's so much fucking slower. Now.
1: He's not like Viscera or, like, Awesome Kong when, like, at the end of their careers where, like, they can barely move and you're just like... Ugh, this is
0: hard to watch.
1: Like Rikishi was just like, OK, yeah, he could still kind of go.
0: I mean, yeah, he could still he could still do his signature spots, you know what I mean? That's all he did mm-hmm. was like he did some ass related stuff and the crowd cheered for him. But like at that point, you know. You're not watching Rikishi to see you work rate. No. Watching see the ass. I wanna <laughs> see that big old ass. I how, you know? And you got it, baby. You got the ass. You got you got enough ass content to tide you over.
1: And then the match the way the match starts, just laughing my ass off at Storm, sneaking in only to get thrown out right away. Just some real poetic justice. And it was like it's just a fun match. It, it is weird for this kind of match to to have stakes because this is a whole thing to set up seating for a number one contender tournament. Um, yes. But like, hey, there were worse ways to spend 16 minutes. And at the very least, you have to try something new. You can't just hit the same notes all over uh, every time and expect it to get returns because you're going to get diminishing returns. You got to have some spice thrown in there. And at the very least, I can say I've never seen anything like this.
0: Here's a question I have for you. When was – what was like the most recently invented gimmick match that wasn't stupid?
1: Oh, man. Uh,
0: They really plumbed the depths, you know. They they
1: really have. There's not much else they can do. I'm trying to think. uh, So, actually, I know the one. The the Mimosa Mayhem match.
0: Yes, the Mimosa Mayhem. Now, that is a good poll, yes. That is the only (laughs) – it's like the only good new gimmick match in the last like 20 years.
1: Um, uh, Stadium Stampede.
0: Stadium Stampede. I mean... It gets messy and really it's just... really just, like, a fucking, like, a hardcore, like a, like a fucking Falls Count Anywhere match that just happens to be in a stadium. Yeah, but, like, I don't that know. a new kind. The only reason it's a new match, quote unquote, is because they gave it a name. A specific name. It's not a new match type. Like, the Most of Mayhem match... Is different, yes, because it's the only – it's a new kind of match where you can only win by throwing your <laughs> opponent in a tank of Mimosa. So we, it's a different thing than what we've seen.
1: I need them to resurrect that match because that was like <sighs> – those near-fall Shanoon have been half as cool as they were. and They were always just funny as hell. And yeah. then the finish where just like shoving him off the top rope into the Mimosa was so, so good.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no reason why the Mimosa Mayhem match should have been as fucking great as it was, but it was, like, just perfect fucking sports entertainment. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Just, this is a match that is so convoluted and so dumb. Um, but, when like, I will say, like, when they do get down to the point where there's, like, six guys left, seven guys left, and all of them are good workers, there are some moments where I'm like, okay... I am not banging my head against the fucking wall here. Uh, there's some decent stuff in it. I mean, I can watch Motor City Machine Guns go all fucking day. Uh, and they're still killing it today, 2022. Plenty of these guys are still, I mean, Kazarian is still going at a very fucking high level. Um, Archer. Archer is going at a very fucking high level. He's in the G1 right now. Uh, fucking. Sure, if he ever got to wrestle, Robert Rude would still be good. I'm sure he's
1: coach. He's coaching now in NXT.
0: Yeah,
1: Sadly. I'm sure if he
0: ever got to be on camera. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, fucking. You know, that- James Storm just had another little mini run in TNA and looked good. You know, so
1: we talk about waste in WWE. Was there ever a bigger waste than Robert Roode?
0: No, never. Like but I'm not gonna say that. No, I mean. The the to me and you can say what you want about the guy. I mean, he is at, he he is kind of a it seems a corny dickhead. But EC3, like take a guy whose whole biggest strength from anyone who actually had ever watched EC3's work, his biggest strength was even though he was yes, he's this massive fucking muscle freak. Like his biggest strength was his mic work and his comedic timing. Like <laughs> like to me, I think like some of the best pure comedic timing wrestling. Uh, belongs to ethan carter the fucking third uh and then call him up and he's on the main roster for like two months and never gets to cut a promo or say a single word on camera That's
1: i still cra- i still cracked up every time he was on screen because he was just kind of like subtly doing things in the background
0: yeah i mean like he never like that was the worst for me it's like come on like you're not even fucking trying you're not even like making an attempt although matt fucking max dupree shit i who, who knows about that man uh it Don't get me started. I
1: I stand Max Dupree.
0: At least I got a li- at least I got a little bit of entertainment out of Max Dupree. I got like like two funny Max you, Dupree promos. You got? T- to got really the- up close talk to Adam <laughs> I to watch him fucking nibble on Adam level of times.
1: He's gonna titillate the juices of your guilty pleasures.
0: I got to I got to learn the phrase titillate the juices of your guilty pleasures. So it's that's still a level above what we got with EC3. Well, yeah, this is. This is a great, like, just tour of guys who either uh, got wasted in WWE or would get wasted in WWE. So, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, you know, RIP to, to poor Mike Tanay, who had to, to fucking make sense of this. I'm <laughs> sure it. I mean, he's. RIP Mike Tanay, he's not dead, not in real life, but I'm sure he felt dead inside after having to fucking deal with this match as a play by play guy. So. That'll bring us to our two and a half marks. Angelo, fucking, I'm sure you're going to have positive shit say.
1: I, I do. Um, I don't know. I enjoy the silly shit. Uh, my half mark is going to karma because there's nothing better than watching the heel get comeuppance, man. Like, it's just, it's so good because you want to believe that this world works in a way where good people get good things and bad things happen to bad people. Even though it's not how it works at all. So whenever you get to see it in a wrestling match, you can kind of take some catharticism there. Lance Hoyt being this cocky dickhead, being hoisted by his batard, going for that moonsault. Good riddance, goodbye, screw you. And then, obviously, James Storm stabbing his tag team partner former tag team partner in the back by sneaking in right before him, only to unceremoniously uncere- get thrown out five seconds later. It's just great to see bad things happen to bad people and just laugh in their idiocy. Uh, my one mark, ironically, is still going to Lance Hoyt and Rikishi. In a match that didn't make sense, those two guys felt like the biggest characters, the biggest parties involved. Um, Hoyt had a decent amount of show. Again, that chokeslam is just incredible. And then Rikishi, you got all the ass fun from him uh, coming out with bootylicious across his stomach. Like, both those guys played their role to a T in terms of character work. It's fine that they didn't win because they didn't need to win. They, they were fine on their own. And then my two marks is just going to tournaments and seeding matches. It's stupid, yeah, the match that it makes no sense matters in the long run. It's very goofy to kind of do that. But it's something that you can throw on as an accolade. Like, you can kind of build people up. The thing with WWE, and I think AEW is doing this now a little bit too, AEW has too many titles, and WWE doesn't have enough things for people to win. So they really kind of rely either on the insistency of the title or... Or just the match itself and these dumb finishes. But whenever you have dumb finishes in WWE, they're never satisfactory. Having tournaments and seeding matches making the matches feel a little bit more important. And it gives you an accolade to throw there, like it throughout the entire career. Cause like now you have Eric Young. He's like, Oh yeah, he won the, this tournament to be the number one seed. Did he win the tournament? No, but he won this match to be a number one seed. So he's won something of note that isn't just a title. It's not just like the title kind of like, there's going to be a history of the title. Having things that they're not necessarily a booked record of or someone that can, can currently take it from you helps, I think. So, like seating matches and tournaments, always good in my book because everyone loves a good tournament, man. And the, and having seating, having a match that decides seating as, as opposed to like this random draw, perfect. I, I think really good because everyone understands the tournament seating. We all do March Madness. Sure.
0: I'm going to give my negative half mark. <laughs>
1: Dude, you are not picking up my positivity at all.
0: I'm just not. Because I'm giving my negative half mark just the entire concept of a match that has multiple fucking, like, multiple objectives in it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, my, my exception to that being the three stages of hell match, which can be done really well. Uh, but, like, when I... when when If it takes the announcer, like... <laughs> over 30 seconds to explain the concept of your match, your match is too fucking complicated, you know? <laughs> like, it just is. And that's a very, just a fundamental rule of wrestling that I abide by, and that I think has served me well uh, in my life. Uh, it's just, you don't need more than 30 seconds to explain your fucking shit, man. Like, you just shouldn't need it. Uh, it just to- it tunes me out immediately. When I when I see, like, Mike Tanae, I have to read, like, more than a fucking paragraph, I'm like, come on. There's a PowerPoint slide on it. I'm going to give a negative one mark to the fact that the reverse battle royal concept itself uh, basically means that, like, out of like half of the people in this match, we basically see nothing up because they fight on the outside for a second. We never actually they don't actually get into the ring and get to do shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like one of the things about like a battle royal is everyone is in the ring. Everyone has a spotlight on them. And so everyone has the opportunity to at least get like a, a moment of shine. Half these people like come out and uh, they like enter the match, and then you never see them again. I wanted to see fucking Shark Boy do stuff, <laughs> and the only thing I saw of Shark Boy was he entered, and then like, the camera was not on him again. We never fucking saw Shark Boy. You know, it, even the fucking even the fucking. Uh, daddy ass and the fucking ass boys you know at uh fucking voodoo kid mafia like we didn't see any of billy go he didn't like we, we like the camera just simply was not on him. and then the, he's then he's out eight people eliminated at the same time without ever getting into the ring like if you're a shark boy fan which i am if you're a pd williams fan you're fucking screwed uh and i'm gonna give i'm gonna give a full positive two marks to the motor city machine guns yeah are as good as it gets still to this day. Uh, Alex Shelley, especially, is a, is a personal favorite for a guy that never got... I mean, even, you know, sabin got a world title run in TNA. Uh, Shelley never has. Shelley, for a guy who has never been pushed as a main eventer, is, like, I feel like among people who are big wrestling fans, and especially people who are wrestlers, is, like, one of the most influential guys. Like people love Alex Shelley
1: which one uh, was the doctor
0: Alex Shelley he's like it a physical Shelly. therapist I think. Okay. Uh, he's like a physical therapist on the side when he's not wrestling uh, both of those guys just peak, peak, fucking top level pro wrestlers and are still today in 2022 fantastic uh, and they just had on this past episode of Impact uh, a match against one another that was a perfect fucking pro wrestling match. It was flawless. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend checking out all of their work over the past 20 years. Just two guys that don't always get mentioned, but are always fantastic. Learn to machine guns.
1: Always still the show.
0: So that will wrap up our coverage of the reverse battle Royal from bound for glory, 2007. So keep an eye out. We're going to keep, Banging out at least a couple more of these, probably, and we got uh, next up, next scheduled regular episode coming out at some points. We're gonna figure all this shit out again. We got a lot of stuff going on. Logistically,
1: we're, we're figuring things out logistically for out the month of August.
0: But uh, we will do uh, WCW Uncensored nineteen ninety six. I think our fourth separate WCW Uncensored episode. We've we done this. Will be the fourth one that we've done. We've almost collected all
1: of them at this point.
0: Yeah, we're, like I said when we got it, like Infinity fucking stones, bitch. We're doing it. Uh the Doomsday Cage match is gonna be very hype.
1: The Are ultimate they solution. End.
0: Will they will they will the alliance to end Volcamania actually end Volcamania? I have no idea. But yeah, so that'll wrap up this episode of two and a half marks. Uh what is this called again? Mark it out? We're mark It, it Down. down. Mark it We're marking it down. So yeah, two and a half marks, mark it down. So my good friend Angelo Lisa. My name is David Stappen. Thanks everybody for listening.